Welcome to Plowing Through Brexit, Farmers Guardian's Brexit podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Farmers Guardian Plowing Through Brexit podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Abby Kay. Today we're really excited to be joined by the man in charge of driving through big post-Brexit agri-forms, a farming minister, Robert Goodwill. A very big welcome to the podcast, Minister. Thank you for asking me. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Right then, let's get stuck into the meaty stuff straight away and talk about the new English post-Brexit policy, the Environmental Land Management Scheme. Uh, we understand DEFRA has been a bit reluctant to spend money on getting the tests and trials for this scheme, which is holding progress up. And the agricultural transition deadlines don't leave you with much time to spare. Uh, what's going on here? Because if you can spend uh, £52 million a year on new staff at DEFRA, why can't you spend £5 million on these tests and trials to make sure the new scheme is ready in time and the best it can be? Well, I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners will be aware that uh, there's some Brexit stuff going on and a lot of that extra staff was... <laughs> Yeah. Was involved in, in in no deal planning and and obviously we're um, we were ready for the end of March and we'll be ready again at the end of October if we have a no deal Brexit which is something I don't relish but uh, mm-hmm. we need to be ready so a lot of that staff have been deployed doing that work and if we did li- did leave without a deal I'm sure farmers and fishermen up and down the country would be pleased that work's been done mm-hmm. I mean it is important as as we design this scheme for environmental land management it is a scheme that. Um, farmers can uh, operate within that, that farmers I think will welcome uh, and that's why we've been engaged in these these trials to uh, ensure that as we design the scheme we've listened to farmers and we responded to that because um, at the moment obviously farming is reliant on funding from Europe and if ever there is a threat to that uh, funding uh, to those subsidies we can guarantee some French guys will start burning tires on the Champs-Élysées or hijacking trucks or blockading Calais. Well, that won't be the situation when the UK is an independent state. So I think we need to get the taxpayers on side and get the NGOs on side. So uh, my sort of um, uh, uh, target is that, that if anyone ever at the future, maybe a different party running the government who maybe weren't quite as uh, friendly, uh, as well disposed to farming, if they tried to threaten that, then actually it would be the, the general public who would complain that actually we like what we get for our money, the environmental land management, the, the public goods that are being delivered by farmers, alongside good quality food, obviously. Uh, so I, I think this this is very exciting new way forward. We've always in the past had to basically um, con- comply with what the agreements are at European level. This is a UK design scheme for UK farmers, and that's why we're involving farmers in its design. Mm. Okay. But can can you just explain what the holdup is with with these um, tests and trials? Why is it that the money that the money isn't coming through? Well, we we have made significant progress in the trials. Uh, we received over a hundred proposals from stakeholders, and I'm sure you wouldn't thank us if we just sort of uh, picked a few at random. So we, we've done a lot of work ensuring mm. that the, those that we identify match the priorities and would be suitable for approval. So we, we, we've got there now. And of course, we're going to have further tranches of um, of trials going forward as well. And, and I know there's a lot of organisations, farmers groups. Some, some of these schemes will be, I suspect, delivered by groups of farmers, maybe within a water catchment area or within a, a national park or mm. within a particular part of the country. So we need to make sure that as we deliver these schemes, they've been tried and tested 
uh, and will deliver what not only the farming industry needs, but what the general public and the taxpayer expect for their money. Okay. So keeping with that Elms Test and Trials theme, uh, we know DEFRA has rejected a crop rotations trial from the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust because you're not classing soil health as a public good. It's only a natural asset from which public goods can flow. I believe you reiterated this position at the Groundswell event recently, even though industry have been led to believe there might have been some movement on this. Can you explain what exactly it is that's changed since the Health and Harmony consultation was published? Because that name well, checked I- improved soil health as a public good. Yes, when we published Health and Harmony, we were talking about, uh, as you say, we name-checked improved soil health as a public good. That was a consultation, and and we've responded to that consultation. We've listened to what people said, and uh, and actually, it makes sense to uh, define soil as a natural asset, but from which public goods may be provided. So many of the, the habitats, many of the drainage uh, um, improvements we might want to see would be delivered through good soil health. So I don't think there's a contradiction there. And indeed, um, as a farmer myself, I know that it's only by having healthy soil that I can actually have optimised crop yields and and deliver the good sort of uh, nutritious food that we need to produce on our land. So it's it's it, having healthy soil is, is a no-brainer, and it will not only deliver good good food and, and high productivity, but also those those public goods and those assets that the public want to see. Okay. Okay. So moving to a slightly different topic, as a, a Welsh farmer, I was pretty concerned when I heard or, or rather read in Farmers Guardian that Rural Affairs Minister Leslie Griffiths has said she doesn't know how she'll pay farmers next year. When will the devolved nations get some clarity on the cash they can expect to receive? It, it's getting pretty late in the day now, isn't it? Well, could I first of all say how, how well I work together with uh, with Leslie? She's she's always engaged. She's always very uh, positive. We're from yeah. different parties, yeah. but we we have the common interests of the farmers in Wales and England uh, working together to to uh, deliver. Uh, the UK government and, and a, I think there might have been a bit of degree of scaremongering here. Uh, there, there is really nothing to worry about. The UK government has already guaranteed that any projects where funding has been agreed before the end of 2020 uh, will be funded for their full lifetime. And as far as BPS is concerned, uh, in uh, the 2020 year, there will be no change. So uh, I'm sorry if people have been unduly worried about that, but we made it absolutely clear that that the the money is in our back pocket ready to uh, deliver on these schemes. And indeed, many of the agri-environmental schemes, I've got a a stewardship scheme on my own farm, you know, they're they're five-year projects. And, you know, we need to reassure people that if you signed up for a scheme that money will be forthcoming and may I add uh, uh, delivered on time uh, we've got a, we've had a bad track re- track record we've, we've taken steps to address that and therefore I think it is important if we in, wanting to encourage people to sign up for agri-environmental schemes or ELM the, the new types of schemes they need to be absolutely assured that the money will be delivered on time. Mm. There's one other thing that I wanted to pick up um, on with regard to funding, and that was the recent National Audit Office report. Um, That warned that if take-up of the new ELMS scheme ends up being low, the Treasury will stop funding it. Are you concerned about this? Um, Well, actually, given our experience with other environmental schemes, other stewardship schemes, um, I've found that actually farmers are up for it. They're, they've been very keen to apply. So I don't uh, envisage that uptake will be low, particularly if uh, there's money attached uh, to the scheme so that the way that you'll be able to access support from the taxpayer will be by engaging in these schemes. Mm-hmm. Of course, 
we don't underestimate the scale of the task in, in, in implementing the new environmental land management scheme, which is why we're involving such a wide, of, wide range of stakeholders, as I've already mentioned, in its development. So um, I, I'm confident that uptake will be good and absolutely determined that payments are made on time. And one of the problems we've had with some of the existing environmental schemes is that payments have been delayed. And that's meant that farmers have not encouraged their friends and neighbours to sign up to schemes as well. We've now uh, got agreement from the Treasury that all the payments for environmental schemes will be made by the end of July. And I think that should reassure people that we, uh, are, we do mean business when we say we're going to keep our side of the bargain in terms of delivery. Mm -hmm. One other thing I'd, I'd mention, when, when I've been meeting with farmers, I've floated the idea that, that should we move from a situation where you get big lump sum annual payments or modest lump sum annual payments to a system where there's a monthly payment, more like a milk check coming in. And I think many farmers thought that was a good idea. It helped them with their cash flow, it helped them pay the bills on a monthly basis. So uh, as we develop the ELM scheme, I'll certainly be keen to hear the sort of uh, ideas that farmers have and certainly moving to a, a monthly payment on a direct debit I think would be very positive and I'm, I've yet to hear a farmer who doesn't think that would be uh, good progress. Mm. Okay. Now, we couldn't let you go if we didn't have a quick chat about the Tory leadership contest. Uh, sorry to be that guy. But we know uh, a recent survey from the Countryside Alliance showed only 30% of people living in rural areas think that the Tories understand the countryside. Does that, does that worry you? And are you confident that both potential new Conservative leaders will do good things for rural people? I, th I think you've come out in support for Jeremy Hunt. But what about Boris Johnson? Do, does he get it? Will you feel that farming is in safe hands with him uh, in number 10? Well, I think the first point would be that, that whether it's Jeremy Hunt or Boris Johnson, uh, either of those would be a massive improvement on the prospect of a Jeremy Corbyn-led government. You know, they, they are very much uh, urban-centric. They don't understand the countryside. Certainly, if you look at the Labour policy and things like the bovine TB badger cull uh, or some of the animal welfare issues where, you know, I'm proud of what farmers are doing in this country on animal welfare. There's a lot of people in the Labour Party seem to have a downer on farmers. But um, it, it is of some concern if that survey has thrown up that result. Uh, all I would say is that when I was appointed uh, here to DEFRA, um, there was a very uh, wide um, welcome, I think, from the agricultural community that, um, uh, unlike in maybe some previous um, government departments, uh, you know, I was described as a round peg in a round hole. We farmed <laughs> on the same land in North York since 1850. I've actually got a degree in agriculture. I studied soil science at university. I studied uh, animal health. You know, so a lot of the uh, issues that are coming to me, particularly in connection with things, like um, environmental land management or, or control of bovine TB. Now, these are subjects that are not alien to me because I've been farming all my life, as did my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. So I do understand the countryside, and I've had some um, fairly positive impact from my appointment. And whether we have Jeremy Hunt or uh, uh, Boris Johnson, I hope that I'll be allowed to continue in this job to continue to um, use my insight and experience and knowledge of the agricultural industry to make sure that the policies that we deliver are policies that understand the realities of farming, not only in, in our part of North Yorkshire, but right across the country where farming is very different. Upland farming, lowland farming, hill farming, you know, that there is, there, there, to describe farming as just one industry, I think doesn't, doesn't understand just how different farms are and how different uh, pressures are being brought to bear. Mm. 
So you mentioned that you would like to stay in in post at DEFRA. What about your current boss, the Gover? Do you think he'll stay or are we going to lose him when the next leader takes over? Is he going to get snaffled by the Treasury or DHCLG? Well, I hope so. But I have to say, Michael is a joy to work with. He really is a very supportive boss. In fact, I feel more like a sort of a part of his team than than somebody being told what to do by by a boss. And 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 Michael does get it, and and he's brought an enthusiasm to the department. Um, and I think, I mean, we're both on different sides of the debate during the referendum, but we're all on the same side now in terms of our commitment to deliver a successful Brexit. And it, and in my view, the only way we can really um, deliver Brexit in a way that, that minimises the impact on the agricultural industry is to get a deal across the line. Mm. You know, with the, uh, Jeremy Hunt mentioned in, in one of the uh, meetings, uh, one of the hustings meetings, the way that um, tariffs on sheep exports would affect the the industry. Uh, we're dependent on exporting 30% of our lamb to the continent and a 40% tariff would, would be very damaging. And, and similarly, in other sectors, uh, whether it be because of tariffs or because of increased bureaucracy, uh, we really need to get a, a deal across the line. I voted three times, by the way, this year for the deal that Mrs May uh, managed to negotiate. But I'm, I think the best person to negotiate a deal that will be acceptable not only to Parliament but to the European Union is Jeremy Hunt. He has a long track record uh, both in business as a negotiator but also I think when you look at his record in the health service uh, negotiating with the junior doctors and indeed as, as a diplomat. You know, he's served as well in a number of um, areas and I think particularly as he's a details man and I think when you are negotiating with Europe you need to have um, full possession of the detail and my experience working with Jeremy and knowing Jeremy for many years is he will be the best person to do that and that's why I'm supporting him uh, when I get home uh, I think my ballot paper may well have arrived and I'll be able to cast my vote for him and I would encourage as many of your um, listeners as possible to think very carefully before they, they if they're members of the Conservative Party uh, as I know many of them are uh, to cast their votes uh, for Mr Hunt not Mr Johnson. Okay. So like me, uh, you are a farmer, so you'll know how stressful farming is. And I've been silaging this week and had a very, very busy week. Uh, And Brexit uncertainty is making it more difficult to make investment decisions and so on. Now, you've also got the added pressure of being a minister and having to subject yourselves to questions from the likes of uh, Abby and me. Um, What do you do to relax and unwind when you get back to sunny Yorkshire on the weekends? And do you have any de-stressing tips for our listeners? Well, I I actually do find... Tractor driving quite therapeutic, would you believe? Um, <laughs> particularly as, um, as I, I can't work the sprayer or the corn drill anymore because the computer's too complicated. So I tend to get put on on subsoil. We've got one of these wonderful Caterpillar Challenger tractors on the oh, rubber yeah. tracks, yeah. and it's all air conditioning, air conditioning, you can listen to radio. So I find that quite uh, therapeutic when, when we have some bare land to work on. But actually... This weekend, I'm actually going to a traction engine rally. I don't know if any of you listeners know, but I've got a, a couple of traction engines, including mm-hmm. one of those big steam ploughing engines. So I shall be sat on top of one of my engines uh, in Helmsley at the traction engine rally there, which is very, very relaxing and very – it's um, – it's my, my wife. I, I describe it as my hobby, but my wife has a stronger word she uses. Uh, but uh, that's what <laughs> I'll be doing this that, weekend. Then? What's the stronger word? <laughs> <laughs> when, <laughs> last time I bought a vehicle, uh, she, I tried to hide how much I'd paid for it, and when she found out, she was a bit cross. But. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, that 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 is my passion. I I, I love. I mean, I've got quite. I've got a, a 1966 class Matador combine, which still goes quite well. We've we've still got the first tractor we ever bought in 1935, a Case Model C, a, wow. a grey Case. We've still got that. Wow. Um, uh, I've got uh, <laughs> last year. I bought a Zeta 3045 because that was a tractor I sort of learned to plow on. So. Um, uh, like many of your listeners, we, we just love the old machinery and, and, and certainly the Fowler ploughing engines. Watching those engines on the headland, you know, pulling the ploughs uh, across the field with a cable, that, that is, I think, probably the most relaxing therapeutic thing I can do. Although it's also quite hard work as well, pumping bags of coal and, and, and the rest. So there's no power steering on a traction engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, while you're sitting on that, you can listen to Ploughing Through Brexit podcast as well. <laughs> well, I'm sure you um, love I'm sure you'll have a lot of listeners wanting to beat down your door now and come and check out all your machines. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if they come to the Duncan Park Traction Engine Rally at Helmsley this coming weekend, uh, they'll be, make themselves known to me. Uh, they won't be able to miss because our Sentinel steam lorry has my name emblazoned across the front, so they'll they'll know which our engines are. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, Thank so you very much. No problem. I think we'll have to leave it there for today. Thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Catch up with me after the summer. If Boris doesn't sack me, if it's him. <laughs> <laughs> and to everyone listening, thank you. And keep your eyes peeled for the next Farmers Guardian Playing Through Brexit podcast, which will be out next month. And in the meantime, check out fginsight.com forward slash Brexit for your Brexit fix.